Hello, and welcome to Daughters Who Dare. Join me, Erin, your host, and my lovely guest, Tracy, who is a dear friend and licensed online therapist located in Richmond, Virginia. We will dive deep into what it means to be a child of a narcissistic parent. While each episode covers a different subject, know that every episode will be crammed with honesty, humor, and hope. So sit back and relax. Let's do this. So Tracy, ever since I can remember, I wanted to be a mom and I'm no joke. (laughs) As a little girl, yes, I had the Barbies and the camper vans and the townhouses and all those fun things, but I'm going to say something controversial. I didn't like Barbies. I found them tedious, boring, frustrating. And I mean, with all those cute little outfits on those cute little plastic hangers and her cute little wardrobe, (laughs) I found it so uncomfortable. Dressing and undressing them took forever. However, give five to seven year old me a baby doll, whole different ball game. I think when I got my first doll, I can remember, I actually have a photo of it. I was like, one, I got the doll and the high chair. And for me, that was like the beginning of my road to motherhood, my yellow Uh brick road to motherhood. If I could have waved a magic wand, I would have gotten married and had four children all before the age of 30. Like it couldn't have happened fast enough from the time I got my first baby doll to the time I had my first baby. If I could have scrunched that into like 18, I would have been so happy. But instead, at 17, I went to uni. So probably since from one to 17, there was the urge, the desire, the dream. Legit. I, I think it's like all I ever you thought about. You in your mind. Yeah, like literally. I, I don't know how I was going to fit being a teacher in there, but that was also one of the dreams. But it was the motherhood thing. But when I got to uni, I had a four-year pause because I'm going to have to say it. I've already alluded to it, and it makes my children laugh out loud. I was convinced I was going to be a nun for four years. So the motherhood <laughs> dream kind of got put on pause for that um, diversion of four years. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, but fortunately for my husband, <laughs> <laughs> when I graduated at 21, then the focus became real again. It's like, take the blinders off, back to where we were meant to be on the correct path. Now, of course, missing one element, well, maybe not so much anymore, but back in those days, I needed to find a life partner in order to realize this lifelong dream. And although I thoroughly enjoyed the jobs that I had post-graduation, that dream remained. But what happened in that, like, I know we all do it. It's like you try to, I don't know if manipulate's the right word, but you know, that people make or the dream boards. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. The vision dream, board. Yeah, yeah, vision board. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Although I could have put like, you know, what the house was going to look like, what the, I don't know, I didn't have a type, so I couldn't say what the husband looked like. But, you know, like on this vision board, this is all that was going to happen. Of course, I couldn't control when that was going to happen. I tried my darndest, but uh-huh. dating didn't work out the way that I had hoped it was going to work out. So I had what I would call a waiting period. It was like a waiting process in between, like while I was working full time, while I was setting up my apartment, living on my own, I enjoyed all of that. But 
there was also a very real waiting process happening simultaneously. And let me tell you, well, I did write in a journal every day for seven years religiously. If I hadn't burned them, I could show you evidence that during those seven years before I met my husband, it was very frustrating. It was very disappointing and soul destroying and even depressing at times because I was so ready to achieve this dream of being a mother and it wasn't happening in my time in the way I envisioned it to happen. Although it was all those things, I knew it was happening for a reason because I now know I I couldn't have told convinced my 21 year old me, but I now know that waiting doesn't mean doing nothing. In that waiting, it created this space for me to come face to face with one of my biggest fears. And it's funny because I can feel myself getting emotional just thinking about it. Yeah. My biggest fear was I know I want to be a mom, but not my mom. That fear was so real. And it was different from any other fears I had ever had before in my life. I mean, joking, have a little joke. Like I'm terrified of frogs and I didn't tell my kids till like a few years ago, but I could just avoid frog encounters for the rest of my life. No worries. (laughs) I have to think about it. (laughs) But (laughs) this isn't, this fear wasn't like those fears of frogs and spiders and whatever else people have snakes or whatever else it is. And I just thought, how Can I conquer this fear without becoming a mom? Like you, like people say, Oh, wait till you go through childbirth. You're never going to experience anything like it. Oh, your life's going to change. And every non-pregnant non-mother person sits there nodding. Like I have no idea what you're talking about. You can't, you can't know. There's no Uh way that you can know. And I just thought, is it possible to eliminate this fear? Like, is it for real possible to do this hypothetically? Is that ever going to be sufficient to be like, well, of course I can conquer this fear when I don't have a child to mother. Uh, Having said that, I knew the kind of mom I didn't want to be. So that was that element. I had enough examples and enough evidence to fill the Grand Canyon twice. And yes, I've seen it. And it, yes, I'm being accurate. I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> tell, tell my kids. I did not want to be mean. I didn't want to call my children names. I didn't want to leave my children unprotected. I didn't want to torment my children. I didn't want to use corporate punishment. I didn't want to belittle my children. And my list can go on and on and on. That's why that fear was so real. It's enormous. It's huge. It's huge to think of all these things that I knew I didn't want to be, but I don't know how you you stop that. You know, it's like, how do you know that you're not going to be those things? Because I don't have that little creature, that living, breathing human being in front of me. So it's all up here in my head as opposed to in my reality. Yeah. And you were in that important developmental stage of your 20s, which, you know, now they say that adolescence doesn't, our brains aren't even fully formed until we're 24 or 25. So 
you know, you're in that such that important developmental stage where you're still kind of figuring out who you want to be and your identity and to hold a fear like that, you probably could feel it in your body. You probably are still feeling it in your yeah, body. And I, and it, it's, are coming up. Yeah. And it's interesting, Tracy, because I'm even thinking about the poor friends of mine, the young parent friends of mine now who have to contend with not just that fear, but the perfection quote unquote that they see oh all over social media. Oh my gosh. So when you're seeing these new young moms going, come with me for my typical morning routine with my right. twin blah, blah, and you're like Wah! and then everyone thinks oh my gosh she has herself all put together look she can put her <laughs> makeup on while her twins are ha having in their nap and do all this so right. like I'm very aware that thank goodness the the silver lining if you want to say from when I was that age in my late 20s is I didn't have the bombardment of perfection quote unquote that exists in society today you know like mm -hmm, i didn't have to mm -hmm. worry about keeping up that appearance of being a perfect yeah. somebody yeah. which yeah you yeah. know i think that it, it makes today so different yeah than it was back then i mean i think we i think anyone who becomes a mother holds themselves almost anyone holds themselves to some kind of standard, yeah. you know, to what they want to be, that vision of that mother that they want to be. And I um, think but when, when you've got it pervasively all around you, I always say to my clients, like social media is everybody's highlight reel. Yeah. Like, yeah. and I mean, am I allowed to cuss on here? I mean, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Like it's bullshit. Like yeah. it's not, it's, that's not real. Yeah. That's, and you have no idea what's going on yeah. behind the scenes. There is no perfect parent. Yeah. There's no perfect mother out there as you know, and many people know from your own yeah. experience, yeah. being parented yes. so far from perfect. Yeah. But that didn't mean, that doesn't mean that you needed to hold yourself to a totally perfect standard, yeah. you know? And I think that was some of your fear probably was that you knew what you didn't want to be so strongly yeah. um, that that was also a challenge. And I think internally. what's hard is there's other layers to that in that here I was in this being parented mode that I knew was wrong, that mm -hmm. I knew was horrible, that I mm -hmm. knew, you know, as I've said in previous episodes, like we don't talk about it. Children of no. narcissists don't talk about it. It's not something that you take to the playground and brag about. Mm -hmm. It's not something that you're talking about in the locker rooms as you're changing for PE because it was something so contained Within those four walls, yeah. you didn't have anything else to compare it to. Like you knew right. it was not normal, but yeah. what was the other? I don't know. I don't and know. For a lot of people, you're not sure it's, it wasn't your fault. Yeah. And that you were crazy. Like we've, you know, like yeah. Beth and I have talked about this in previous episodes. It's like you, because the narcissist is so clever in mm -hmm. convincing you that it's your fault or that you're making it up, or that you have a limited memory, or uh, you're lying. Yeah, gaslighting. All these words <laughs> that we hear about, buzzwords all over social media right now, I know how they felt before they even had labels. Before <laughs> they had names, I knew yeah. that I was being told it was my fault, that I would never have friends, that I was so negative that no one would ever like me. So why would I want to try to become friends with people 
at school if in my mind I'm hearing all those things that she has been telling me. Yes. And of course, you believe all of those things as a child, as a teenager. And dare I say, some people take them to those beliefs to the grave Mm -hmm. with them, very sadly. And I think, so like for me, it was like, how did I know I wasn't going to do, like that was real. Like, how did I know? How could I really know that I wasn't going to be the same mom Mm -hmm. that she was? Because let me say, people, narcissistic parents are very intelligent, clever, charming, manipulative, charming, convincing, charming, controlling. <laughs> Wait, are you hearing a pattern? Can you, you see a pattern here? So to everybody else, whether it was my teachers, my siblings, um, partners, that she'd convinced them that she was mother of the year. I couldn't even say to these other people, I don't want to be like her because it didn't make sense to everybody else. Yeah. So all those. She was a master at preserving her own ego by putting out a certain picture of herself into the world. Yeah. While also manipulating. Yeah. And abusing the people in her life. So like, I just feel like the conversations that children of narcissists have in their head is insane. Like it truly, I mean, I don't mean that literally in the mental health scheme of things. It's just overwhelming to think because you're asking all these questions, there aren't any answers. You're believing all these untruths. So it's just all this stuff swirling around in your head. Yeah. Because I couldn't tell you why she was the way she was. I just knew what she was. And that wasn't enough information. And then on top of that, there was one factor that acted like lighter fluid. And that was, what if I had a daughter? I was the oldest daughter. My mom was the oldest daughter. What would happen if I had a daughter? And then for the first time in my life, I thought, I can only have sons. Like, I, like as if that was going to be some kind of a redeeming factor if I had a son. But then I thought, I can't control, like, there were so many, (laughs) you know, so many more factors. And that idea of having a daughter and not want to pass on the baton of all of this behavior. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because that pattern felt too familiar. So so what do you do as like a 20 something year old, then all you can do at that point, or what I felt all I could do was to trust myself. Mm -hmm. And that takes me back to the waiting period. Mm -hmm. During those years that I worked and lived on my own, I chose to work on my mother issues. I keep using my, my uh, air quotes, but I'm on radio (laughs) or podcasts. You can't see them. I am putting them up people. I went to therapy for two years and it was one of the best decisions that I ever made. I spent those weekly sessions detangling, unraveling, I have to throw in crying, (laughs) deconstructing, Mm -hmm. learning. I'll throw in more tears because that's what I do. And I can still remember, even though that was, gosh, over 20 years ago, things that my therapist told me that were life-changing, and they still are. 
life-changing. One of the main reasons being that for the first time in my life, I want to say I was like 25 or 26. So we are literally looking at 30 years ago. It was the first time in my life that I began to understand my childhood. Like it was like somebody showing me through a looking glass, like this is what I see from what you've told me. Let's figure this out. And it was eye-opening. It was absolutely Mm -hmm. eye-opening because detached observation. Yeah. Just that curiosity around stepping back and being able to look, which is really hard to do. Yeah. And to have a licensed human being who objectively could say to me, not the pitying remarks that other people tried to say like, Oh, bless. Oh, that must've been hard. Or was she really like that? Like you only have one mom. Are you sure that like, don't you want, like, and you would hear all these other things. Whereas this therapist was able to help me understand for the first time in my life that it wasn't my fault, that I wasn't to blame. Now, let me tell you, I didn't walk out of there with (laughs) a gold ribbon that was like, woohoo, I've achieved everything. Look at me. I'm all put together. And no, you're all fixed. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> no, it's not that easy. Unfortunately. No, I wish no, it was. no. I was gonna say if I had a, a ladder analogy, I think at that point I was probably on like rung two, yeah. like literally, and that was at 27, 28 years it's old. The hardest, yeah. That, that first step is often yeah. one of the biggest and hardest. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and I think it is that like as much as I want to talk about all of this, like as much as I know, it's my truth. It's my story. Let me tell you, (laughs) it is still hard. The fear Mm -hmm. is so real because that little child is still in there somewhere in that brain of mine saying, are you sure you're not making this up? Are you sure? Mm -hmm. Are you sure that you're remembering this Mm -hmm. the right way? Are you sure that you're not over-exaggerating. And I know because people said to me, aren't you afraid of the backlash? Aren't you afraid of what you know certain family members are going to say or whatever? I know that I don't lie. I know that this is my truth. Yeah. It's important for me to hear my voice say these things out loud. Absolutely. That's huge. Absolutely. Yes. And there is something like, you know, in brain science about hearing it with your own ears. Yeah. You're hearing your story with your own ears. Yeah. Putting it out there in the world. It takes some of its power away. Yeah. And it it reminds me of like when you're, when you say to your children, like, oh, that was amazing. They're like, oh, you had to Mm -hmm. say that you're my mom. You know, it's that same kind of, I need to hear me saying this because it's not a friend who's trying to be nice saying it's okay that you're saying these things out loud. When I hear my voice say that I'm proud, you know, it it dispels that fear even more when I can hear those words. I'm proud Mm -hmm. of myself. It takes that fear another step away, which Mm -hmm. means the universe. So let's go back to the beautiful story of (laughs) (laughs) at 28. (laughs) There was not a white horse come riding up beside me. But come on, that's not how I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it actually is quite fairy tale like. However, 
At 28, I did meet my husband. So much for being married and having four uh, four children by the age of 30. Ha ha. Unless we had quadruplets, I suppose. And ironically, we both wanted four children. So I was like, whoop, whoop. Okay, so happening a bit later than I had imagined and dreamed. But silver lining number two, it was happening. That's cool. But deep breath. I was now in the position to not only face this tremendous fear, but to overcome it. That could only happen by having a child. So soon, if we were fortunate enough, which we were, I would be a mother. And when I gave birth to my son, I knew two things for sure. One, I knew the kind of mother that I didn't want to be. And I've already given you that whole list and there are many more I could add. And the second thing I knew was the kind of mother I did want to be. Spoiler alert. I became the latter. I became the mother that I wanted to be. And I could cry. <laughs> it's okay to cry. About because that. I'm damn There's a proud. Lot to be proud of there. Yeah. Yeah. So much to be proud of. And it was not an easy road no. to get there. And I'm sure it didn't end the no. day that your first no. son was born. No. You know, the, no. the battle, the journey, the work, it didn't end. You had to get up every day yeah. and work at it. And I think you that's know, as the, we all yeah, do, but your yeah. mountain was a little taller. Yeah. And I think and that's what it is. It's like, I think for some people in my mind anyway, that they think, oh, phew, see, you did it. But the choices that I had to make to not be my mother, mm-hmm. I didn't just have to make every day. I had to make many times every day. I actually found it easy. I'm not going to be honest because I am not a naturally mean kind of person, nor am I a selfish kind of person. For me, the rules that my husband and I decided to set, the foundation that we decided to set, looked very, very different from day one. And that that's why, like for me, when my three grown children who are now, gosh, close to 25, 27, and 29 by the end of this year, when they listen to these podcasts, I can only hope that they can see, because we didn't talk about this grow- well, while they were growing up. And I would sure. like them to be able to listen to this and think, gosh, our child could, couldn't have been any different mm-hmm. from what she experienced. And that mm-hmm. couldn't make me any prouder. That just couldn't yeah. make me any prouder. And I'm sure you have listeners out there who are in the throes of maybe contemplating parenting, maybe parenting those littles on those hard days. And I know you and I both have older children now and yeah. it's easy to... It's easy to sometimes forget how exhausting Challenging. and yeah. difficult yeah. those days were. And those toddler tantrums are no joke, right? Yeah. You yeah. know, and how hard it is to maintain your own, you know, regulation, for lack of a better word, like yeah. your own peace within the storm. Yeah. The and chaos I, of I think what that, raising young yeah. kids is like. Yeah. And I think the thing that I, the message that I want to get from, if there's like a message from this episode, it's possibility. Mm -hmm. I just think so many people feel like I am part of a cycle. And if you want to imagine it as like a hamster wheel and it's like, you're taking over from your parents and then your children will be taking over from you. I hope if nothing else, I don't proclaim to be perfect. And I have three 
adults who would tell me I'm far from it. And that's fine. (laughs) I get it. I'm not Mm -hmm, perfect. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. However, I do want people to hear the hope through this. Yes, it's hard. There seem to be a lot of H words, like it's huge, it's hard, but it's also hopeful because it is possible to raise children. I mean, one of our favorite phrases in this family, which I also have tattooed onto my foot, is no matter what. Mm -hmm. My children, if nothing else that they remember that I've told them throughout their entire life, is that they are loved no matter what. If that doesn't show promise, if that doesn't show hope, I don't know what else does. I want other people who are holding that fear like a ball of fire in their chest to know that it is possible to not only face it head on like a fire breathing dragon, it's possible to get past it and to have a positive parenting experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, Absolutely. lighter, like I can't ex- put words to, lighter mm-hmm. is how mm-hmm. my heart feels knowing that I went from 20 something me who was terrified of repeating the process yeah. to 50 something year old me saying, I did it. Yeah. I did it. Yeah. And and it makes that 20 something waiting period that you described <clears throat> look like maybe, it, I mean, it served a greater purpose that yes. you didn't know at the time, probably. Yeah. In yeah. terms of helping you, you know, giving you a space yeah. to A, be, be an individual, you know, just an individual adult, young adult, yeah. living your life, working, gaining confidence in all those things that all those, you know, ways that we gain confidence at that through those things, but also to do your work and yeah. to be really ready. Yeah. You know, and that's, you know, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, when you look at it in that way. So could I do it? Yes. Did mm-hmm. I do it? I think so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think another big, I think, piece and message I would want to get across is you know, in, 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 as we talk just a little bit about that perfectionistic stuff and that social media stuff, it, it's just self-compassion. Mm. It's just being, having grace with yourself yeah. to know that you're not going to be perfect yeah. and that every now and then there's going to be something that comes out of your mouth or out of your body mm. that feels like it's connecting to that. Yeah. Pattern, yeah. You know, and that's kind of inevitable, but that repair is possible when there's rupture. I mean, that's yeah. the whole psychological theory around anytime there is rupture that, and the repair is the most important part yeah. that I think most children of narcissistic parents didn't get. Yeah. Never got the repair. Yeah. And the repair is what helps children feel like the world is safe Yeah, when there's been rupture. And that's probably a lot of what you figured out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Definitely. not that you had to be perfect, but that you could be compassionate with yourself and then in turn be compassionate with your children Yeah, and own your shit, you know, own your stuff when you messed up, Yeah, you know, and, and repair, whether it's with a kiss or a snuggler and I love you or, you know, a, an apology when they're a little bit older. Now, the charming part of a narcissistic parent can sometimes do that too. And it can look, it can look authentic even when it's manipulative, Yeah, you know? But I think just going back to that point of just self-compassion, mm. of just having grace with yourself yeah. and knowing that as hard as it is, you yeah. don't have to be perfect. Yeah. But even by even by listening to 
podcast, you've taken a step on that ladder. You know, I would argue that your therapy was maybe a second or third step, yeah. uh, or third or fourth. Even. Yeah, yeah. Because even by thinking about it, talking about it, and asking the questions, mm. you're changing the pattern. Mm-hmm. You're changing the pattern mm-hmm. right there. Yeah. And I think on top of that too, which I hundred percent agree with you is here I am talking about being proud as if I have finished products. I don't, (laughs) I'm still parenting them in their twenties. Sure. But I also, I think want to remind people as well as the self-compassion is to be proud of all the little steps, all the little things. Don't look at, I need to raise such and such a child but be proud of the fact, like I am, I never once used a derogatory word to shame my child. Okay, I did not perfect parent, but you know what? There are things on that list that I went through earlier. I didn't do it. I didn't do them. I didn't do those things. So it's worth being proud of the small moments too. And not wait for the big victory at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Be proud of the little things. The fact that your child, like, I love the fact that my children will write in their cards, love you no matter what. Yeah. That's a victory. That's a, I hate using the word victory. It's to me, it's one of my proudest moments Mm -hmm. because I know how hard and long, but worth it the journey was to get there. Yeah. Yeah. So take away hope and take away pride and take away self-compassion today, I guess is what we're urging people to do. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. (laughs) You're welcome. It is a journey. Yeah. It is a parenting is a journey, no matter how you cut it, no matter what your past experiences, you know, but when you have that extra layer, I think it's, um, you know, it, it, it definitely adds a dynamic. Yeah. You know, you mentioned that voice in your head, that child in your head, that self-doubt, that inner critic yeah. that we all have, that we need to work on silencing, you yeah. know, to work hard on it. And it's, it's not easy work, but it's really good work that pays off. And this is what I'm hoping this podcast does, Tracy, is like, I hope other people find us and find this. So I didn't know, even at 20 something, I didn't know that there were other people out there having the mm-hmm. same thoughts and the same fears and the same voices saying the same things in their heads. And what a yeah. comfort. I mean, that's what, for me, that's what this podcast is. This is what I needed to hear <laughs> throughout yeah. my life. And I just feel like if I can provide that for anybody out there who needs mm-hmm. to be reminded or affirmed or validated, good, yeah. good. Mm-hmm. it's yeah. important that that matters to me just to not feel alone. Yeah. That so matters. Powerful. Yeah. Yeah. It's so powerful. Right. Well, thanks for awesome. that. Until next time. <laughs> All right. Talk to you thank soon. You, thank you. Thanks. Great. Right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that's it for now. Thanks for hanging out with us. I hope you'll join us for future conversations. In addition to this podcast, you can find me and the Daughters Who Dare community on all social platforms. Please feel free to DM me on Instagram 
or email me at daughterswhodare at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you, listen to your stories, and know your topic suggestions. I will respond to every message. I'm so grateful that you decided to come on this journey with me. Let's continue to dare together.